Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 48 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. Because my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to really honoring God and living out this idea of servant leadership. Because what I have found to be true over and over again is that when you do that, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. At the end of the day, all of us are ministers with a special gift given to us by God. And because of that, we have an obligation, a duty that when we see a need in the world around us, we have to use our gifts and our abilities as much as we can to fill that need. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And we've seen this over and over again with guests through many different walks of life. In the military, business, faith, community, as well as people that just want to do something as simple as serving their family. And last week, we heard from Miss Samantha Copeland, and she had a very powerful story about how she serves in a myriad of ways, through Kingsway Leadership School, her local church, the work that she does with adoption services, and she also works with an organization called Young Lives, helping young teen moms. So if you didn't hear last week's show, episode 47, I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to that show and hear what Sam has to say. It's very powerful. But for this week, just a little bit about me. Many moons ago in 1998, I was the distinguished military graduate of the King's College ROTC program. And so ROTC, the Reserve Officer Training Corps, has always held a very special place in my heart at King's, but really across the country. I'm very passionate about ROTC and always want to support uh, anybody that's involved with that. And so today, I'm honored to have two friends and brothers in arms as my special guests. Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson is a professor of military science for Drexel University, and he's also on the board for AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. Along with Charlie is Cadet Joe Lappinson. Joe is a cadet at Drexel University under Charlie Wilson's leadership, and Joe is also on the board for AUSA, so Joe is our cadet representative. And together, these two individuals are the heartbeat of the Drexel ROTC program. Really encouraged and excited to hear what they have to say to us today. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson and Cadet Joe Lappinson. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are. We make Miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough. 
a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson and Cadet Joe Lappinson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the program here today. We're happy to be here. Well, gentlemen, you have so many different things that I want to talk to you about, very interesting backgrounds, but I think the biggest point of common interest that we share is our love for the United States Army and AUSA. So I'm going to start there. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing with us why it is that you decided to join the Army and Joe, in your case, uh, as a young cadet in the ROTC program and what that journey has been like for you so far. So Charlie, you're most senior. We'll start with you. All right. Sounds good. So, you know, as as far as joining the Army, that's a much longer answer, and I'll try to keep it tailored down quite a bit. So, uh, it it, you know, like many others, it it stems from how I was raised and who I was raised by. My father served in World War II, Vietnam, and Korea. He was a Depression baby. Uh, Yeah, I realized that that doesn't necessarily align with my current age. Uh, So we always joked as I was a kid, uh, that it was a an economic choice on his part. When, when we'd go to the movies, it would be one senior citizen and one child type of tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, yeah, there was a lot of, of influence there from his time in the service, his 24 years and having retired as lieutenant colonel in that time frame. So his time in the service was actually over by the time I came along. But still, I, I got to hear all, all the the fun antics mm-hmm. uh, and also the lessons learned along with the values that, that were embodied in those type of experiences. Yeah. And, and soon came to not just simply enjoy them as much as align with them. And, and, and I, I wanted to be a part of that, be a part of something bigger. Yes. Right. And, and in truth, that that's really how it just continued to develop and, and truthfully live the dream. Right. Now, that was the first part of the question. Was the other part talking about AUSA? Well, we'll get to AUSA. So for right now, I'm just focusing on, you know, why it is that you wanted to join the Army. And so just for clarity, Charlie, how long have you been in the Army so far? Uh, Actually, this year is 28 years. 28. Wow. And has all of that time been in active duty, reserve, guard? What's that make up for you? So I enlisted in the Guard in 94. Uh, so all of it's been with the reserve component, but I actually came on to an active status within the reserve component in 2000. And in total uh, of the 28 years, I've got 25 years toward active federal service. Wow. A uh, couple deployments, two years downrange in Iraq, uh, flying helicopters since 98 time frame. Uh, it's been a great ride, and uh, I never really saw myself sitting behind a desk, but frankly, glad to be sitting behind the desk that I'm currently sitting at, because in truth, I've wanted to do something along the lines of what I am currently doing for some time. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, Charlie. So, Joe, you're on the other end of the spectrum. Just starting out, you're a young ROTC cadet and about to get your commission here in the next few months. So, why the Army? Why ROTC over any other way of getting a commission? And how have you liked it so far? Sure. Uh, so for me, kind of, it, it's always been uh, something that I wanted to do was serve in the military in some capacity. Uh, and I think it probably started when I was a lot younger because uh, my dad had served for a little bit and uh, growing up with that and then, you know, some war movies and, and war video games. 
kind of got into my head real young. So that kind of always drew, drew, like driven me towards joining the military. I didn't really figure out I wanted to do Army and then ROTC specifically probably until high school. I chose Army, obviously, because that, that's the right choice <laughs> uh, when we think about it. And then uh, I considered West Point because I wanted to be uh, an engineer. I liked drawing vehicles, and I liked the idea of like working with uh, the government and the military to – design like future tanks and airplanes and things like that as a kid uh though and, and then when i realized that west point would allow me to join the army become an engineer uh that really kind of got my attention uh though you know for those familiar with the west point process you they have field reps and i had a really great guy who told me not only should i apply to west point and other academies but also you know go out for an rtc scholarship which I did, and thankfully I did because I didn't get into West Point, but I ended up getting a four-year scholarship. And so that, that's kind of where the ROTC kind of came apart. I didn't even know I wanted to be an officer, really. It just came down to talking to my guidance counselor, finding out about West Point, talking to different people, and then realizing, you know, that is the right path. Um, and then, you know, five years later, I'm – pretty pretty happy with my choices that um, I chose the Army and I chose ROTC. I, I love the fact that you said that the Army is the right choice, Joe. Go Army, beat Navy. <laughs> well, listen, so Joe, you've only been in the program for what now? Five years, right? And you're about to get your commission, is that right? Yes, Paul. So within the five years of being in ROTC, what lessons have you kind of taken away from ROTC program, from all your interactions with other cadets, with Professor Military Science. I don't think Lieutenant Colonel Wilson's been with you the entire time, but clearly you've had other PMSs. So I've had a lot of interaction with you through AUSA and other things that we do together. And I really have seen your servant's heart and how you get after and really take care of other people. But what portion of who you are did you get from ROTC? What nugget have you taken away? Uh, I think... It is that leadership component. So coming in as a freshman in the college, I would have never really thought of myself as a leader. I mean, I did Boy Scouts and, and I had leadership roles in that, but you know, that, that never really meant as much to me as coming to RTC and then seeing the current seniors at the time doing their thing. It, it just, it honestly, it scared me. And obviously being a leader still scares me, but it's something that I've kind of, to accept uh, through ROTC because it's kind of shown me how to actually be a leader and it's given me the chance to practice and, and actually figure out what works and, and work on my own leadership style. So that's probably the biggest thing is, is ROTC uh, that it gave to me is the ability to kind of find out, you know, how to be a leader and accept the responsibilities that come with it. I love it. Charlie, how about you? You've had a much longer uh, career, a lot more experience than Joe. What nugget have you gotten from our Army and you know what it means to be a servant leader or anything at all like that? Well, I, I, I've tried to echo some of the, the very same sentiments that these folks are getting in the class. And, and frankly, some of the circumstances that they've been dealt with in the program with regard to the rotation of PMSs, the people in my position, 
Um, and in truth, I, I think that they had it in mind already before I even have said it. Uh, things such as um, you know, the rotation of PMSs, it, it's going to be echoing exactly what you're going to see once you get out to your units. Commanders mm -hmm. come and go for a variety of reasons, most of which have to do with they've been selected for a company command elsewhere or they've been selected for school or, or, or what have you. Uh, and and in, in seeing that variety, there's goodness in it. And as far as not every uh, leader leads the same way, we don't we don't pump out cookie cutter leaders. Right. We pump out yeah. folks that are taking the lessons and individualizing those lessons and, and basically creating within themselves the best possible, ideally, individual leader they can be that embodies the the values that are set before them established in the army values and frankly that just basically expound on this nation's national values um the uh yeah i've forgotten the other point so we'll just have to roll <laughs> on what was the other question paul that really, you know, that was the heart of it, Charlie. I'm just, you know, what was the nugget that you've taken away from the Army in terms of what it means to be a leader? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, that that's essentially it. Just trying to capitalize on the circumstances, the environment that you're dealt and to try and adapt and, and be flexible, right? Uh, there's been, I'm sure, a, a variety of lessons that I try to push along. And, and I'd say that if I had to impress upon them, the, the most salient of those lessons at their current stage is as they take their, their oath. First, the oath associated with their contract and, and soon their oath to commission. I, I ask them to pay attention to the words and who they're, who they're raising their right hand and taking an oath to. Yeah. And that it's not a who, and it's, it's a what, in the sense that it's, it's a, an ideal that's embodied in foundational documents and not simply uh, in the sense that we're going to support and defend. Uh, we're also going to align with, right? And so yeah. that the implied task there is that you, you have to know what the heck you're freaking supporting and defending. So get in the books and understand what the Constitution actually says. And, and in, that's been one of the biggest things that I think that I've been to continuously pressing, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> To Ignazium, maybe? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, I, I, I think as far as keeping it germane and keeping it to as, as simple as possible, because I'm sure that there's a lot of other points that I try to hit along the way, uh, uh, that, that really gets after the crux of it, what, what underpins all the other lessons as far as the Army values and yeah. the Constitution and everything else. That's great. So when you talk, Charlie, about, you know, our history and our values and all the things that you're trying to impart to the young cadets like Joe, is there something that you look back on in your career as something that was maybe a pivotal moment in your career, a, a really difficult time that you had to struggle and overcome? And, you know, maybe that's one of the lessons that is driving what you're trying to impart to these cadets. Do this or don't do that. Oh, uh, I, I tell you what, there's just a rush of memories come back with that. Uh, and, and I don't want to sit there and bore any audience that you might have listening to this. Um, but I, I'll say that there, there's lessons found in every event, kind of circling back to a previous point in, in, in as far as uh, bearing in mind, there's not going to be any kind of cookie cutter environment that you're going to come across to, to best to take away from each uh, circumstance that you're dealt 
uh, the best of it that you can, right? It may be examples of what to emulate, and it may be examples of what to not do, yep. right? Thinking of, thinking of it in terms of an after-action review, sustains and improves. Uh, if you're sitting there, just it's going to be whatever you make of it kind of thing. And if you give up on it or if you don't put the effort into it, you don't try to persevere, it's going to reflect. That's great. So, Joe, from your foxhole, you've had five years in the ROTC program. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to do so far? Okay, the hardest thing for me uh, is really kind of figuring out my own leadership style and then seeing what works. Uh, I don't think it, it's an exaggeration to say that coming in, I would have been kind of like a, a, a control freak, uh, like a perfectionist. That's just kind of how I rolled. With you, Joe, I would have never known that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it took me a bit. And it, it's a recent development to kind of take a step back and realize that other people have their own ways of, of doing things and and that sometimes, you know, what what's between A and B doesn't matter so much as long as, you know, we get there. Yeah. And that, and that was hard for me because it's something that I had to learn and, and try to do. You know, I had to actually do it you know I, I so yeah that that uh that was probably like one of the hardest and most uh, definitely a recent development and something that I'm, I'm glad that i've had a lot of cadre feedback and and other feedback and people telling me how to do it because you know i think in the end you know it's all going to make me a better leader and it'll help me uh you know execute my job i love it and so if I'm hearing you correctly, Joe, um, you've had a lot of people, including uh, Lieutenant Colonel Wilson and other PMSs, other mentors, pouring into you to help you, you know, take a perspective on, Joe, these are the really great things that you're doing, but maybe you might want to shave off or cut back on these other areas. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, Paul, I think that's fair. I think that's what's great about RTC is that, you know, especially in a program of you know, our sizes, we get kind of tailored feedback. Uh, that you know other students just aren't you know they might be in a leadership course or but they're not going to get that feedback over the course of five years yeah absolutely well gentlemen this has been a very good conversation thus far uh, but we're approaching a point where we need to take a quick break for a commercial so when we come back i will continue the conversation with lieutenant colonel charlie wilson and cadet joe lappinson stay with us we'll be right back good god listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson and Cadet Joe Lappinson. So, gentlemen, a few minutes ago, we were talking about why it is that you joined the Army and you know all the things that you've gotten out of that. But now you're continuing that service with AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. And Joe, you've been in it for quite some time. So would you share with us, like, 
what was your initial entry point? Like, what was your motivation for getting into AUSA? And why have you stayed with it for so long as the sole cadet representative? Yeah, sure, Paul. It's kind of interesting. It, it goes back to before you were the president of our local chapter. Uh, the other gentleman uh, goes by Gray. He actually reached out via email to, I guess, all the cadets in my program. And I might have been one of the only cadets to respond saying, sure, I'm interested in AUSA. Not that I actually knew what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, he also mentioned that there's going to be some sort of uh, cadet organization within the chapter that he's looking for leadership. Uh, so I said in my email that not only am I interested in AUSA, but, you know, I'll do something in leadership. Uh, so then he got back to me asking me to be the president of the cadet committee, which at that time, I'd never really been a, a president of an organization. I, you know, led stuff in RTC, but, uh, you know, it kind of took me back a little bit, but I decided what the heck I went with it. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my introduction to AUSA. And then from there, me and... Uh, the chapter president gray just kind of worked together to develop uh the chapter and then also kind of create an rdc connection which kind of had previously died out in the previous years uh, and, and i really just thought it was really cool that there's this organization that supports the u.s army and that we can get a little chunk of that to support my rtc program and it just seemed like it was an uh an investment worth my time and I'm really glad I stuck with it all this long because uh, it was one of the really big maturing opportunities for me because now I'm working with uh, you know not only my own PMS an active duty lieutenant colonel but tons of retired senior officers mm -hmm. and you know a general uh, civilian equivalent to the general as well so it's all in all it's been a pretty cool experience that's great Charlie, you joined our ranks about a year ago uh, after you and I had a cup of coffee at my house. And, you know, you've been a great addition to our team. So what was your motivation for being part of our ranks and joining AUSA in addition to what you're doing as a PMS? Aside from a really good cup of coffee, <laughs> um, I'll tell you this. Um, first, I've had actually very limited interactions with AUSA up until that point. And, and really, for me, my motivations with my participation with your chapter has simply been uh, I'm seeking to try and ensure that the cadets within this program are as exposed to as much opportunity uh, and things that are going to evolve and, and create depth for the program. And I see the local chapter for AUSA as being one of those very key elements to doing exactly that. Not only to provide them with that opportunity to, to meet and interact with the additional volunteers within the chapter mm -hmm. and get the, uh, gain some of the, glean some of the knowledge that they have to impart, which, you know, frankly, there's only a finite amount of knowledge that I can divulge before you start seeing, you know, stuff just fall apart. <laughs> right. Um, but then additionally, beyond that, the, the local chapter uh, support uh, from a fiscal fiscal uh, perspective and frankly, just any kind of support that they can provide uh, cheering them on is always something that I value once again for the cadets inside the program. Okay. So, Charlie, with the time that you've been with us so far and what you've observed and, you know, how our chapter has been able to interact with the 
chapter and your cadets. What would you say is the greatest accomplishment of our chapter thus far? Well, I mean, I would say that uh, given where I understand the chapter has been, uh, to I, if I can take your words, uh, Joe, I think you had said that it basically kind of died on the vine. If I paraphrase the heck out of that, uh, and, and frankly, it's come back to life, right? So, it, I think that it's it's definitely on the right path to be a very active. Uh, role, or have a very active role within the national perspective, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's the the value as far as I see it uh, on a on a grander scale is that the 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 more involvement we have between the ROTC and AUSA, again, it's going to create that depth, and then I think that word eventually will get around to other ROTC programs, other units to see that same exact value and maybe start a trend, start a fire, so to speak. Yep. And honestly, I, I am really proud to be able to partner with you guys. And, you know, I, I think it's just an incredible opportunity for the chapter to be able to come alongside the Drexel cadets and come alongside you, Charlie, as the PMS and really just provide our support wherever we can, whether it be a physical presence or financial support. So I really appreciate the opportunity you've given us to do that. We thank you as well. So, Joe, you've been uh, a lot longer with AUSA, five years of history, myself as chapter president and a couple other people before me. What would you say is the greatest thing that you've seen so far come out of the chapter? Um, so, you know, I definitely agree with that, Colonel Wilson. I've seen when I joined the chapter, I don't want to say it was dead, but it was uh, not as much going on. Because uh, I think that was because the chapter was in like a transitional period. Uh, so Paul, seeing you take over and then seeing the kind of chapter grow into a huge committee and, and all the things we've done, it was pretty cool. Uh, though, one of some of my favorite things that we've done is how we've supported uh, the local RTC programs uh, as a whole, and that being getting uh, guest speakers like Sergeant Major Daly twice to speak to cadets, which, um, you know, just hearing him is such an honor and opportunity. Uh, we've had an opportunity to recognize uh, Philadelphia's only Medal of Honor recipient, Sergeant uh, McVeigh, who uh, was killed in action in World War II, but we were able to recognize him and kind of honor him and his family, mm-hmm. uh, which haven't really, really hasn't been done before. Um, and so, so those kind of moments have a special place in my heart. And then also uh, just other things that we do to support the program, as well as you know, even supporting uh, the Ranger Challenge competition, you know, the big RTC competition where all the schools and like the northeast to go to fort Dix, and they have their soldier skills competition mm-hmm. and you know we were able to not only provide food for our own program but we got chick-fil-a to donate sandwiches hundreds of sandwiches for you know 400 500 cadets uh you know that's all done you know because you know our chapter is here to support cadets and that and so that's probably my favorite you know most memorable portion which is a lot but all together it's that's what it is yeah well I, i'm really glad that you're part of the chapter joe and you have made some really valuable contributions and you know just for the record in front of everybody that's listening like 
for a young cadet. I mean, you have done such an incredible job of taking the mantle of leadership, you know, first that Greg gave to you. And then when I took over, I put a lot on your plate and I asked you to lead some pretty big events and you took it on and you did them really, really well, especially for a young cadet that hadn't um, had that level of responsibility put them in the past. So really appreciate you being on the chapter, Joe, and all that you've done for us. Thanks, Paul. Well, listen, the both of you guys are involved in not just AUSA and ROTC, but you also serve in a lot of other ways in your community. So, Joe, as I'm reading your bio, you're involved in construction, scouting, uh, you work with emergency response teams. Like, what is that like for you? How are you able to serve all these other organizations with all the other things that you have going on? And what's your why behind all the different things that you do? Sure. So... Um, scouting, scouting was a big part of my early development, as I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, that'll always have a, a special place in, in who I am today, but other things like the, the construction stuff as a construction management major at Drexel university, uh, I was kind of exposed to some extracurricular, like uh, construction management based competitions. Uh, that I recently, that I uh, was able to participate in. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then uh, with uh, the emergency response team, it's actually a, it's a it's a nationwide program called a CERT Community Emergency Emergency Response Team. It's sort of like a volunteer effort where uh, you know regular regular everyday people can help support first responders uh, doing some tasks like uh, basic search and rescue and uh, rehab and just supporting local, the local government. Uh, all that stuff, uh, you know, when it comes to like balancing it with school, sometimes it does kind of take a back seat. Uh, though what I do like to do is being organized and having like a list of my tasks. And, and that's pretty big. It's as long as I know like what RTC stuff and what school stuff I have to do mm-hmm. each week, and I kind of have an idea of when I'm going to attack each of those things and get it complete. I can set aside time for uh, other activities that I'm going to engage in. Good deal. So, Charlie, you're no slouch either. So, you know, at reading your bio and having a number of conversations with you. So, one, um, you have a whole lot of cadets that are under your charge. And then you further support them through Travis Mannion Foundation, if I understand correctly. And then you've also got um, some work that you do with the National Center for Healthy Veterans. Is that right? I'm afraid that you you make me sound more important than I am actually am. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. But, you know, in truth, the, the, the actual facts behind this is that I'm extremely reliant on, on a very – competent group of of cadre and cadets frankly that in my mind are far more mature and developed than i was at their age certainly uh to that extent i'd say that a lot of what's bridged gaps between pmss to help facilitate transitions has been a solid team of cadre that have been here my nco uh some captains that kind of thing and then they've been able to help sustain a very constant flow of activities. Now to get after what you were saying before, we've also got some very motivated cadets that believe it or not, extend beyond even Joe here. Now they're not the micromanagers that he is, (laughs) of course, 
Uh, but uh, I'll say that Cadet Panzer, as an example, she's a junior this year, an MS3, has been one of the leads with regard to our our foot in the door, so to speak, with the Travis Mannion Foundation. And so with regard to Joe's and my involvement with support, essentially she takes lead, uh, but then she gets all manner of support from myself, the cadre, other MS4s like Joe and uh, the rest of the cadets. Uh, they've got Rucks for the Forgotten, another Ruck for Honor, uh, I think it's called Ruck for Honor tomorrow actually, to where they'll raise uh, a, a food draws and that kind of thing that again, everyone is piling in and supporting one another as a group, as a team should. And once again, cultivating some of the very values I had mentioned previously, right? Um, I, th I think that your focus was strictly on the Travis Mannion. Yeah, yeah, you answered. Yeah, that's great. So, gentlemen, we've got about two minutes left. So the last thing that I want to ask you, you know, there might be somebody that's listening today, you know, maybe somebody that is college aged or maybe somebody that is looking for what their next right step is. Maybe somebody that's in high school and they're considering a life in the military. They know it's one of their options, but they look at the situation that's going on in the world, you know, particularly right now, present day with Ukraine and just all the potential uh, life of danger and service and sacrifice that is the United States Army and our military. So what advice or recommendations would you give to somebody that looks at the army, looks at the military and says, I just don't know. I, I want to serve my country, but I don't know if this is the right thing for me. So Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, sure. So I would say the biggest thing is just realizing that, you know, you, you join the military, you, you do ROTC, you're going to get a world-class uh, leadership, education, as well as additional training that's going to set you apart from your peers, especially, you know, if uh, you're looking to go to college and, and have a long career afterwards. Uh, but you also have to recognize that it's also, it's additional hard work. And I put in a lot more hours in the ROTC uh, that, you know, my classmates who aren't in ROTC, they don't, they don't do, they don't, they could go home, maybe do some other stuff or other extracurriculars, whereas I might have to finish class and then work on a, um, a project for ROTC, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So recognize that it, it's a great opportunity, but also just know that it, it takes hard work. Uh, and if you're the type of person who likes to work hard and, and put in the work to get the best experience, then it is a good path because it's very rewarding. Thanks, Joe. Charlie? You know, a lot of what Joe says, I'd absolutely echo to the extent that there's a lot that is offered through the program, going back to things that were previously said, that provides leadership skills. Uh, I'd say that it also provides a means to develop any organizational type skills that are valued, not simply just in the army, but in also in the civilian sector, that kind of thing. And so with respect to some of the, the specific points that you'd asked in your question, in truth, yeah, there's a lot going on in the world that may very well cause concern about putting on the uniform and going to war or mm -hmm. going to serve in some capacity. But in truth, it's only unique to this particular time in history. Mm -hmm. You go back 
every part of history has provided some level of uniqueness, whether it be a great war now known as World War One, or a pandemic that that dates back to the or flu that was worldwide back then uh, that emanated from Europe, or, or you know World War Two with Nazi Germany, what have you. Currently, we're going through a pandemic of our own, at least in in the eyes of those that are in power. Uh, with its own sets of challenges and friction points and everything else. Yep. And I, I, I'd say that none of that should dissuade or discourage folks from either acting on what might be a calling to serve or maybe a mere interest. Maybe you just don't know. And to that extent, you'll never know unless you at least try. As with anything else in life. Yep. I love it. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the show. It has been such an honor and a privilege to talk with both of you and to hear your heart for the Army, AUSA, and servant leadership at large. Thank you again, and really enjoy talking to both of you. Thanks for having us, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Paul. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I don't know what it's like to be you. You don't know what it's like to be me What if we're all the same in different kinds of ways Can you, can you relate? We both know what it's like to be hurt We both know what it's like to feel pain But I think it's safe to say we're on to If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just briefly think about what we've heard from today's guest. So many great nuggets from Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson and Cadet Joe Lappinson, but I want to go over just a few of the highlights of what they shared with us. I think it was really compelling that both of these men talked about their reason for wanting to join the Army, at least initially, was a legacy of service within their family, a a, a history of service from father to son and all the people that came before them. And so, at least in my mind, part of the lesson that we can take away from that as people that are aspiring to be servant leaders is what example are we setting for our children? And even if you don't have kids, there are people around you that are watching. People are always watching, right, wrong, or indifferent. And so what example are you putting out into the world of what right looks like? Because people will look at your life and say, that is somebody whose footsteps I wanna follow in. I really love how that guy or that person lives their life. And so, yeah, I, I want to pursue that same lifestyle. I really think that's important for us to think about. And then when I asked them what it is that they got from their time in the Army, Joe really focused on the word of responsibility. And so in any walk of life, how important is it to really assume that mantle of leadership that you heard very clearly from Cadet Joe Lappinson, right? He takes everything that he's ever been asked to do very seriously. And so how important is that? 
how valuable can that be if each of us as leaders really focus on these are the responsibilities that I've been given and I'm going to be super diligent in executing my responsibilities at home, at the workplace, in my community, at church, everywhere that I have been given a responsibility, I'm going to be diligent. And when Charlie uh, was talking, he really emphasized history and circumstances. And he said there is no cookie cutter approach. And we all have to be our own leaders. You know, there's a line in Shakespeare and it says, this above all to thine own self be true. And I think Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson really honed in on that point. There is no leader that's exactly like another one, right? We all have our own different backgrounds and experiences and everything else that makes us who we are. So I think what's really important for us to take away from this conversation is you need to be your own person. You need to take the experiences that you've had, the education, the mentorship, people pouring into you. You take all of that and you take the things that you like that you've seen in people and experiences and you model those things, you replicate those things. But other people make mistakes. So you take those things and say, all right, that's a lesson learned. This is not what I'm going to do. And Joe took that a step further. And he talked about, well, one of the greatest things that he's had to do in the ROTC program is to take a step back. So people have poured into him and helped him to understand what being a good leader looks like. And, you know, Charlie joked with him a couple times saying that he's micromanager and, you know, a little bit anal and this and that. But Joe acknowledged that, right? And he knew that he was a little bit too controlling when he first started out in the program. And he's dialed that back a lot and he's become a better leader for it. And so I think a big part of servant leadership is acknowledging when somebody speaks into your life and says, hey, I think you need to work on this or think about doing this or think about doing that. And because of that, you know, you, you heard Joe talk a lot about the maturation process that he's gone through in ROTC. And I really like how Charlie talked about how being in partnership with AUSA has presented a lot of opportunities. So, you know, maybe another lesson for us as aspiring servant leaders, what organizations could we partner with? What people can we link arms with that can present opportunities for us? Every single person in the world has something to offer. And so the real question becomes, are you open-minded enough to give somebody an opportunity to come alongside and partner with you and to build that relationship with you. And I think Joe really said it best when he talked about this idea of value. The chapters become active and now it's providing value. And so as servant leaders, what are we doing to provide value to others? What are we doing in our organizations that we lead or even that we're a part of to show value to our customers, to the people that we are in teams with, to the people that work with us and for us? Really salient point there. And just a couple of the things I wanna point out. So when Lieutenant Colonel Wilson was talking and I asked him why he serves in all these other organizations, he was very, very humble in his response. And he didn't take credit for anything. Even though he does a whole lot of work with different organizations, everything that he has done and all the success in his ROTC battalion, he pushed all the praise down to his staff and to the cadets and to his family. He pushes praise down because that's what leaders do. 
leaders push the praise down and blame goes up. Going back to that word that Joe talked about a few times, a responsibility. And, you know, talking about Joe, I think another really great thing that we can get from Joe, um, he was talking about all the different demands that are on his schedule and the different areas that he serves as well. And he said, well, I just need to be organized and carve out time. And that's really one of the greatest things that we can do as aspiring servant leaders. Are we carving out time, not just for our job and our interest, but are we carving out time for our families? Are we carving out time to worship in whatever faith background you believe in? Are you carving out time? Are you being organized? Are you being diligent with all the different things in your life? And really the last closing point here, Charlie really said it best. Yes, the military has some potential drawbacks, some potential dangers, yes but follow your calling. So if you think in your heart of hearts that you are meant to serve in our armed forces, follow your calling, get after it. At least give it a try because you don't know if you'll like it unless you give it a try. Much like when we're younger and parents would say to you, hey, at least try it, take a bite to see if you like it. I would encourage you if you're listening today and you're even thinking about joining the United States military, Take a bite, give it a try, join the ROTC program, and see if you like it. Well, listen, each week I talk to you about when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. So just very briefly, I'll share with you. Last night, I had an opportunity to go on a date with my daughter, and I have made it a practice to carve out time with her, to take her on a date once a quarter. And on these dates, she gets to pick two different activities that she wants to do. And so last night, her two activities were shopping at the mall and then a dinner with me afterwards. And it's also been our practice that uh, as we're walking around shopping and as we're having dinner, we get to ask each other really probing questions. And I asked her, you know, what are the three things that I'm doing for you that you really appreciate the most? And I thought she was going to come back with, well, Daddy, you're a good provider, and I love how you're able to you know, provide this, that, and the other thing for us. That's not what she said. All of her responses focused around the idea of being present, of being there when she needs a listening ear, of giving her a hug when she's had a bad day, of being understanding when you know she needs to talk about a tough situation at school or whatever. Being present. And so for me, that was an extraordinary incidence of the universe bringing good back to me because my daughter's 13 years old and so for 13 years I have really tried to pour into her and to be present and spend time with her and to hear directly from her that those are the things that she appreciates the most was just music to my ears and absolutely melted my heart so I would encourage you if you're a father today be intentional in spending time with your kids and if you have a daughter take that girl out on a date and show her what being a man really looks like all right listen next week so excited mr george tuning is going to be my guest he is a west point graduate and former infantry officer he's the former legislative director for a nonprofit in washington dc he's also a former white house presidential innovation fellow and currently serves as the deputy director of the beak center for social impact and innovation at georgetown university listen as you go about your week no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Your promise still stands, great is your faith.